Hey guys, we are glad you're here. Uh, today's a special day. We are appreciative of Don stepping in and uh, putting together some worship for us. Uh, we're glad that Josh is feeling better, and we're thankful you're with us. This is the beginning of Holy Week, uh, and it's a different Holy Week than we've <laughs> experienced in our lifetimes, and that we, this week and next week, are not going to be able to be in the room together. Uh, we had a number of activities planned that we did last year, so we had planned a Monday Thursday service and a Good Friday Stations of the Cross experience again, but um, but we're not going to be able to do all those things. We are going to have a couple of other special opportunities um, that we'll tell you about a little bit later, but I do want you to know two things for today. One, I, there's a question on Facebook that we're going to come to. And we would love, just like the last couple of weeks, for you to comment in. Um, we're going to be following, if you're on YouTube Live, we're going to be following comments on Facebook Live because we just can't yeah. follow more than one thing at one that, time. That's very true. And, and also, guys, there's a little bit of a delay. They, they've put some kind of delay on here. I, th I think they're afraid I'm going to say something wrong, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so they didn't have a bleeper or anything, so I guess they just... Figured, well, we can cut the feed if 10 seconds goes by and he said something stupid. But yeah. no, but we are a little bit behind this morning, but I'll be looking down at the comments. So if you see us looking down, we're looking at notes, looking at your comments and things and trying to be as engaging as we can in this kind of a difficult thing. It's new for us. We've, yes. we've never done it this way. We're not TV broadcast professionals, so uh, forgive us if we make some uh-ohs. But so far, this has been great. And I'd like to really give a big shout-out and thanks this morning to Jeremy and Wayne for all the work that they've done to, to make this possible. As you'll notice, we've, we've got videos. In, inserted into the teaching this morning and things that we weren't able to do before. So it's been a really great morning already. Yeah, yeah. We're thankful for their time learning and uh, just helping us do the best we can. Yeah. Um, I do want to remind you, uh, yesterday I joined you by video on Facebook as well and encouraged you that next weekend for Easter Sunday, we would like to make that a special service uh, and since we can't be together and we're missing each other, uh, I want to encourage you with your family at home to shoot a video sometime this week but I, and send it to me by Thursday. Yes. And just to, to tell us, how are you s celebrating Easter as a family? Uh, or maybe does Easter mean something different to you this year than other years? Um, whatever you would like to share or just just a special Easter memory or thought, um, I would love to get just some very short videos, not long, not a, not a real long video, just, just very short videos that you share with us, and then we're going to include those in the service next week. Um, so that will give us an opportunity to hear from each other and for you to be a part of that. Yeah. We're also working on some alternative ways to do worship and involve more of our worship team. Um, so we hope that will come together. <laughs> for next week as well. I am thankful for you, for your involvement. I'm thankful for you, your engaging, interacting with each other. Many of you have offered to take food. And it's just a beautiful picture of the church in a, in a very different and difficult time. But today, uh, we are here to celebrate Palm Sunday. Yeah. And what we want to begin with is join together in John chapter 12, Beginning with verse 1, we're not going to be showing slides today. Uh, they seem to be a little more distracting than they are helpful. So if you have a Bible or if you want to get on version, um, follow along with us. We are going to be in John 12, um, the first 19 verses. We're just going to walk through this 
and uh, would love any comments that you have. And if you have a, um, an answer to our question, we would love for you to shoot that in when we get to that in just a few minutes. John chapter 12, verse 1, this is where we um, pick up. And let me also just remind you, this, this is um, right around the time. Um, yesterday, we celebrated Lazarus Saturday. And so we talked a little bit about um, Lazarus and the, re- and the fact that that raising of Lazarus happened the day before Palm Sunday. Um, chapter w- um, 12, verse 1 says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was the ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bags, he used to help himself uh, to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always um, have me. And this is just a beautiful time that we can remember more personally today that sometimes we're about the busyness. Have have you found yourself being more or less busy these last three weeks? Myself, personally, being in the IT field, I've been much busier than I've ever been um, working from home. Uh, people, Those of you that haven't experienced it may think that it sounds great. It's terrible at times because there's there's never a break from it. You're always there. Your computer's always there. Your peers are always able to connect with you and ask questions and things. So for me, I've been extremely busy. Um, each day has, you know, and you're always going back and thinking, Okay, there's one more thing I could get done. I can go back in my office and take care of this, or I can take care of that, or I, you know, I'll grab my phone and look and say, okay, who's 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 emailed me now and who has a question? So, so yeah, I've been extremely busy now. I think a lot of people have a very different experience than that. Yeah, yeah, uh, we we have also been pretty busy, but without having to drive somewhere not hitting all of the normal places that we go. We actually have found a lot more time, uh, and I I have enjoyed that. Yeah, that's that's true. That's one thing that even for me personally I have noticed is not going into an office every day. I gain 45 minutes to an hour just in travel time that you can actually work, Yeah, which is maybe healthy, maybe not, but again, it is what it is, so you do start noticing those different patterns. The the other thing, we have eaten at home and cooked more than we ever have. How about you guys? Oh, yes, absolutely. And <laughs> it's been good on the budget, and it's been uh, it's been good food we've eaten as well. So we, yeah. we still have gone out and done a few takeouts uh, just to support our local businesses, but also just because we wanted to do something different. But right. I find myself thinking, even, even being busy, this has been a pretty busy three weeks for for us as well, Deidre working around all moving her staff to telehealth, and then the web, anything web related is just busy, busy, busy yeah. right now. But but with that extra time that has come in, I often feel like Martha <laughs> in this story 
that I'm just busy, always, always busy. And in fact, whenever someone says, hey, I wanted to call you, but I I knew you were busy, that's like a stab to the heart for me. <laughs> like I, yes, but yeah. I, I never want that busyness to overcome relationships, yeah. but it often does. But do you think, Mark, sometimes for, for guys like you and I, our personalities are similar, we like being busy. Yeah. We, you know, if we're not busy, we're looking for a way to make ourselves busy. Yes, yes. I think that is very true. And and sometimes busyness is good. It keeps your mind off of things that shouldn't be on. Right. But it sometimes keeps your mind off of things that should be on as well. And I th- this is where we see a beautiful picture between Mary and Martha, where yeah. one is super busy. She doesn't neither truly understand what's about to happen. They don't really understand what's coming um, in this next week. But they are both attending to Jesus in different ways. Martha is trying to make the event perfect. Some of you, that is how you function. That is kind of the, whenever you're having somebody in the house, you make sure everything's taken care of, everything's clean, the food is perfect, the right dish is out. I And you have no excuse if you're stuck at home now. So, yeah, you, know, right. you know, if, you're, if your wife's telling you, hey, we need to clean the house, you really don't have a lot of excuse. Yeah. Well, I've got work to do. I've got, yeah, so there's a lot of that thing. You know, and Mark, as you were talking about the business and how we all handle things differently, and, and sometimes being busy is good because it does take your mind off your situation sometimes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I have noticed is at work, I'm trying to keep up with trends. We're seeing what's going on in the world, trying to keep up with tech trends, and it's all related to COVID-19. So you're bombarded with that all day. And then on the weekend, I worked a little bit yesterday morning uh, answering some questions and problems. But then yesterday afternoon, I got out, and we worked in the backyard. We worked, uncovered the pool, did some things. And I forgot COVID-19 even existed. Yeah. You know, you get busy sometimes, and you can that can get you to the point that it takes it off your mind. If you're sitting there on your couch day in, day out, and you've got your phone like this, and you're going, oh, my gosh, I wonder what bad happened today. It's bad for your mental health. It's, yes. it's bad for your spiritual health. You know, sometimes you need to focus. Now, I'm not saying that being busy is the answer for sure, because we need to include Christ in that and not let our busyness take us away from him. But sometimes just the change in gears and change in direction is so healthy for us. It is. And uh, it does not diminish the terrible things that are happening around the world in some of our larger cities. Right. Um, and those who are suffering with the coronavirus and those who are struggling, honestly, emotionally through this time. Yes. Where, you know, we're seeing an increase in depression, we're seeing in some parts of the country even an increase in suicide. We and you don't want to miss the pain that these events are causing, but we also don't want to miss the reality that we are having a chance to refocus somewhat like Mary has yeah. in this time, where Martha's trying to care by being busy and make everything perfect. Mary's just trying to be with Jesus, and Martha doesn't like that. My busy side of me, when I look at someone yeah. sitting on the wayside and they're not helping, I think, why are you not helping? I'm kind of, I can easily turn into a Martha. Yeah. But Mary just soaking him in. And then we have, of course, this interesting uh, episode where she breaks the jar of perfume and yeah. pours it on his feet. And I don't know if she was like, man, these feet smell really bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a custom we're not used to. We're, right. We're, we're, but it was truly an, un, she was honoring him by anointing his feet. And just a a beautiful picture of spending time with Christ. I, I don't know what you have found, but even people I typically would have emailed or texted uh, we are reaching out by phone for phone yes. calls. 
well different, isn't it? It is different. And I just think it, it, this is a good time to remind us how important our relationships are with each other, for each other, and with Christ and for Christ. And, uh, and we see that kind of here, this, this time when Jesus knows exactly what's about to happen. Jesus, when, when Lazarus walked out of the grave, he made a lot of people really nervous. <laughs> How do you mean that? <laughs> I think I'd be pretty nervous. Yeah, right. I would be nervous too. Uh, but he made them nervous because now this Jesus that they have pushed down and said, you know, he's just another one of these religious zealots. He's just another person claiming to be the Messiah, and he's not. Uh, but now he has, someone was dead, and <laughs> everyone back. knew he was dead, and he walked out of the grave. So no one else has ever done that. And Jesus all of a sudden is propelled into the forefront of people's minds thinking this is different. Yeah. This is exciting. He has the power over death. Then we need to know this. In fact, if we go on back to that story and read through the story, what we find is that many people begin following Jesus at that time, which would be expected, yeah. I think. You know, and, the, and the thing I'm sitting here thinking about is, is when we're thinking about this in the terms of Palm Sunday and Holy Week is you're going from this time of Lazarus being raised to the from the dead and like Mark just said people are following him everywhere there people are coming to him just in unbelievable numbers because of what has happened and yet in about a week they're all many of them are going to follow aside yes yes it is in in no time at all and which again is a good picture of us today how yes. easily we're distracted and um, well, let's let's continue in our story in verse nine. And well, before we hit, first, let's talk a little bit about Judas here too. Let's okay, talk, let's right. talk about motivation right. because I just I was looking at this. You know, Judas Judas wasn't necessarily mad that that she was wasting the perfume and the money and for he was he was an embezzler. Mm-hmm. Judas was embezzling this money, so this was Judas felt this was coming out of his pocket. Yeah. Was the reason he was so upset about it was it wasn't that it could have been used on the poor. It was he was skimming out of the bag, and there was less to skim out of it if she wasted money on Jesus's feet. So yeah. a little little bit of a picture into Judas, and again some of the things we've been talking about building our own kingdoms and things like that, just like back with Nimrod and various things we've talked about, is trying to make my situation better no matter what. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the story of Judas is uh, with the perfume that often stands out here, and uh, but uh, yeah, the reality of all the relational dynamics happening in this moment. I wonder what would have been different for Martha and for Judas had they realized what was about to happen. Yeah, they didn't know what was coming. I mean, if you, we, we often say that in in times, especially times of trouble, you grow you. You grow closer as a family, and we say, you know, what if this was the last time you spoke to someone? You've, yeah. you've heard that said. This was literally the truth for these these disciples and followers of Jesus, and they didn't know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know how, and like Mark said, how would you have reacted differently if you you knew this was the last time you got to talk to Jesus? Yeah. Would your questions have been different? Would it have even changed Judas? You wonder. Yeah. You know, it was his heart too far gone at that point, or could it have even changed him if he knew what was going to happen? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Judas was as actually a great topic of discussion through Holy Week to see what really went on within his mind and within his heart, because we are going to see that he will betray Jesus. 
Yeah. And yet he has great remorse after he sees what that betrayal has done. Yeah. And that remorse ends traditionally, the traditional understanding with him ending his life. But, you know, he does seem to have a moment where he says, this is not what I wanted. Yeah. This is not what I thought was going to happen, which will truly get into what many people thought were going to happen was going to happen at this time. Yeah. How many times does that happen to us in our own lives where we're, we're regretful of things that, man, if we had just paid a little more attention back before all this started and chosen a little bit different path that wasn't quite as selfish, yeah. how many times would the end result have been better? I love Paul Schreiner's comment that, I just saw that, that. that Judas's <laughs> name has not shown up on the list of most popular baby names in like over 2,000 years. So, <laughs> so if nobody names their kid Judas. If, you're, if your mom and dad named you Judas, you know, I'm going to question your parents. Yeah. <laughs> they may have said that about us behind they our backs. They may have backs, said about our but, backs, uh... yeah. not, not many birth certificates with that name on it. Yeah, right, right. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. And by the way, so a couple have already mentioned communion. I did notice. Uh, so Christy Totharo posted a picture in our group yes. um, about making unleavened bread. Scott made the uh, he yeah. he made the comment that they looked like sugar cookies, Christy. So you yeah. may have to set the record straight. Yeah, you may have to share your recipe because those those looked awfully good this morning. I'm thinking that that doesn't look like unleavened bread like I would picture. Yeah. I mean, unleavened bread, I picture it as in a, I hope you can see this little communion cups we're going to use with a piece of styrofoam in the top. That's that's what I yeah. think of unleavened bread. But that that was, but it's a really great way that you're celebrating, and one of the ways you're doing something different this year that you would have never done probably on. Palm Sunday had you not been at home. You That's wouldn't right. have got up and baked unleavened bread for for you and your your husband to share together in communion this morning. That's a that's a great picture. Yes. And for those of you who are joining us, we're going to take communion together uh in in a few minutes. So if you don't have supply, some of you came by, we're using our little single serves uh here and some of you picked some of those up this week. If you don't have something, you can literally use anything. Uh Crackers, if you have crackers, you can use bread. Maybe some of you prepared. If you have grape juice, great. If you have some wine, you want to use that, then that's fine. If you don't have any of those things, um, this is this is symbolically us coming together right. as a community and recognizing the sacrifice of Christ and the sufficiency of that sacrifice for our own salvation. So we are going to take, uh, take that together. If you want to gather some of those supplies, um, we'll do that together in just a few minutes. Uh, verse 9 of chapter 12 goes on, and this is where things get interesting because uh, the, the story of Lazarus walking out of the grave is so significant that not only are they now plotting on how to kill Jesus, but they want to get rid of Lazarus yeah. too, and they, they want to erase any idea that Jesus is anything but a heretic. That's the only story they want told about Jesus at this point. Uh, and it goes on. It says, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So it says here, I just caught this. Because of an account of him, let's see, where was it? So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. So they were already planning to kill Jesus at this point. Yes. And so they've just added 
Lazarus to the hit list that we'll get rid of him too. And that way it solves the whole problem. Judas, Jesus, they're all gone and we'll carry on about our business. Yes. And, and this is actually a very effective solution because Jesus is not the first of the proposed messiahs that have come along. There have been others along the way. Some of those messiahs have been religious, but some of those messiahs have been, they've been political or military. In other words, they're going to by force deliver Jerusalem from Rome. And whenever they would pop up, if they would begin to get a following, all you had to do was kill the Messiah and the following would die. So they had done this time and time and time again. It was a tested true method. It would work. Lazarus throws a little bit of a fly in the ointment here. The best comment I've seen this morning, Leslie and Phil Prince are watching live with us. And Phil says, Lazarus can't catch a break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never right. thought about, you know, here, I, oh, here we go again. Uh, you know, I just got back and, yeah. you know, here we go. And I always wonder what Lazarus' experience was. Yeah. You know, we, we don't really see that. Is he bummed that he's back? Yeah. I was in the presence of God and now I'm back with all of you people. It's just, I'm, it's cool that Jesus is here. I'm glad he's here. If not, it wouldn't have been worth coming back. That, that is a, that is a good that is a good thought. I've never really I had never thought about that till just does, now. Does Lazarus is Lazarus glad to be back or is he kind of pouting? Like what? What the? What's what, this what, about? What happened? <laughs> yeah, it's like being called home from vacation was, early. And we're going to talk a minute about paradise and Eden and heaven, yeah. and, and that that's going to be a good contrast to think up here in a little in just a little bit. Yeah. So we go to verse twelve, and this is what is often read and is being read by churches all over the world today. And for Palm Sunday, it says the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey sat on it, just as it was written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt which is, we, we compare that to what's about to happen um, on Good Friday in just a few yeah. days, where this crowd who are singing and shouting and, and this laying down yeah. of palm leaves and waving palm leaves, uh, that was literally the welcome for a king returning yeah. from battle. Yeah, king, a hero. That's uh, again, we're living in a Roman-controlled society, and this is the way they did things. When you came back from battle, if you were the one that was triumphant, you came in to a great parade. And and I think the the interesting similarity there was many of those Roman conquerors were worshipped as gods. Even yes. this, there was a religious significance. It just wasn't a like an armed forces day parade or something that we would recognize. They were actually being recognized as gods coming back to the city. So a very different thing with Jesus. And what's the point of the donkey? Other than fulfilling prophecy, you know, why a donkey of all things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and one of the um, images that the donkey and, and as he says, uh, this this is was a prophecy like this. Yeah. It it had to happen this, this way. way. And yet this is not how a king would enter. A no. king would not enter on a donkey on the lowliest of burden animals. That would you they would be in the back carrying all the yeah. the essentials things, but what we find is this just real interesting dichotomy between the idea of a king 
and who Jesus really was, who we know is a king, but he's not the kind of king that maybe those people that are waving their palm branches are looking for. Yeah. So there's this buzz around the city. It's Passover. People are coming in. Jesus is celebrating uh, the Passover, which moves from a celebration of their deliverance from Egypt, and he is going to repurpose it with his disciples, which is how we celebrate communion today. Now, this is a reminder that it, it, he is now the sacrificial lamb, whereas in Egypt, they would sacrifice a lamb, and they would paint the blood over the doorpost, and the angel of death would pass over those homes, so all of the Hebrews' homes, um, but everyone else, the firstborn within that house, would be killed. But the blood, the sacrifice and the blood on the doorpost meant that they would be saved. Jesus was saying, no, this is, this is not what we're going to celebrate moving forward because it's no longer about that sacrificial system. I am the sacrifice to end all sacrifice. So it was, it was actually this beautiful picture of a humble entry into a city that is met with fanfare, people wanting him to be their king. Listen, if, if he can get Lazarus out of the tomb, then he could probably kick Rome out of Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering, you know, and going back to the parallels back to the Passover and, you know, their Messiah leading them out of Egypt. I yes. think that has to be in every Jew's mind is the, the last time a deliverer came to us, they delivered us from our oppressors. Um, yes. Be curious in the comments how many people watched the Ten Commandments last night. I wasn't able to hang in for all four hours of it and, and dozed off it, it towards the end, but... It's really amazing when you look at that, the similarities between Moses as the deliverer and Jesus as the deliverer of the Jews. Yes. And I think surely that's what they were expecting here. They were expecting a king like they had waited 400 years in captivity for Moses to come as their deliverer. And I'm sure they're thinking the same thing here, that we've waited all these years and God has finally brought us the person to deliver us back. We'll be a Jewish nation again without Roman interference. And that's not the plan. Yes, yes, that that is not the plan. Um, we've just come off of 12 weeks of talking about Genesis 1 through 11, and it begins with this beautiful creation. God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the garden. He creates Adam and Eve and places them in the garden. And for a brief period of time, it is as if heaven is extended yes. on earth. Some... some um, Scholars describe Eden as an outpost of heaven, mm. in or in other words, a piece of heaven has been brought to this other place in which they can experience. And yet, for the serpent coming into the garden, for Eve, then Adam, Eden is missing something. Like, it's yeah. not perfect. There's still more that we need. And in their case, what the serpent tempts them with and what they truly want themselves is they want to be like God. It's not enough to be in an outpost of heaven. It's not enough to experience Christ in this way and to be holy and pure and without sorrow or suffering. Instead, it's just this wonderful, beautiful place, but they want to also be like God and they want to know um, the difference between good and evil or in some ways be able to practice good or evil based on their own decisions. And it's almost it's almost like in this period of time we we kind of see these savior um, figures. Yes. So we have Adam as a savior figure. We have Noah who mm -hmm. comes across as a savior figure. We have Moses 
that you mentioned is also a savior figure. We also have other in the story. When we get to the um, um, judges, each of the judges are a savior figure, and they all have many things in common leading up to or foreshadowing the true savior, who is Jesus. Right. But what we try to do along the way is we try to recreate Eden in in our own lives. And are we not just like Adam and Eve? Mm. I mean, I was thinking as you were, we were talking about, here they have everything. They have an intimate walk with God, but that walk is never enough. We're always looking for something else. That yeah. There has to be more than just walking with God. I need personal things. I need to be more like, and, and so it's it's like, even from the very first people on the face of the earth weren't satisfied just as we're not satisfied. Yes. That, that God is never enough. And yet what we find uh, at the end of that period of sin entering into the garden is the entrance of suffering and the banishment mm-hmm. of Eden. And yet if you think if you think about it, we each spend a great amount of our lives trying to recapture Eden for ourselves. Yeah. Leslie, Leslie has a good question. How do you see Adam as a savior figure? So it is through Adam that as Adam is leaves the garden, God doesn't destroy, utterly destroy Adam and utterly destroy humanity as a result of the actions in which they have. But yet they go and it is through his lineage that humanity continues. So in, in some degrees, not the same idea of savior as we see in some of these other figures Um, but yet through adam we have the opportunity to continue walking with god to continue have a relationship with god and god does not completely banish us and leave us so in that regard rather than being a savior figure um, he is the figure by which we still draw our relationship with god and he is the only person in history that knows what life is like uh, outside of sin, mm, besides Jesus. Never thought of it that way, but yes. There's no other person that lives in the Garden of Eden but Adam and Eve. And so through them, this lineage of a people begins this process of a return to God. Mm, very good. That's a good question, Leslie. It's a good question. Um, one of the questions that I wanted you guys to kind of talk about and talk through uh, is... How do we try to recreate Eden um, in our own lives? I, I think our one of our last stories in Genesis 1 through 11 was actually a, a great example of this with Nimrod. Nimrod hated God, was in God's face, and yet what uh, he is trying to do is kind of build his empire. He wants everyone to stay, his whole clan, stay in one place. They begin to build this big city, and they begin to build this big tower, and they're going to do this without God. And what they're trying to do is he's trying to take the place of God for their lives because he, he wants them to trust him and to recognize that their happiness comes from him and their own courage, as we read through some of what Josephus said about Nimrod. And, and so his goal was to have a, a community... Uh, that could be as perfect as possible, and yet it was deeply flawed, deeply flawed. We have a tendency to want to rebuild that in our our own lives and to have our own Eden so that we have 
joy and comfort and we don't have anything to interrupt us yeah that that causes us pain or, or heartache or suffering in any way we we try to insulate ourselves as much as we possibly can all right and i've posted the question on facebook now how do we try to recreate eden in our lives so hopefully you guys will jump in here in a second we'll um get some feedback from from you the audience because uh, we love this interaction with with you especially if we're not able to be here together this is a great way to to interact so you know those attempts at rebuilding eden you know i think back to nimrod people were just so looking for somebody to give them everything they wanted and everything they needed, they would give up anything almost to get that, which doesn't make sense sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they would give up personal freedom, personal liberties and things for somebody to provide for them. And so they were very much subject, subjecting themselves to this tyrant who absolutely did not have their best interest in mind, but they so wanted that comfort that they were willing to give up Mm -hmm. anything to get it. Yes. It is a troubling reality about, people in general and it's it's been like this from the very beginning we so want our lives to be happy and full that we'll we'll give anything in the hopes of gaining that and often when a strong figure comes in and says listen i can give it to you but you have to give me everything in your life it's right. it's similar to the temptation that Jesus faced in the desert. We've talked that we talked about during the Genesis series is listen, if you will bow down to me, Satan saying to Jesus, then I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. It's a temptation that we still struggle with today. If you will just bow down to me, I'll give you everything that you want. And yet what it costs to get that measly short sighted piece of pleasure it costs us greatly for that. People do this with their careers all the time. Oh yes. I'm going to choose this career. I don't I don't really care what it requires of me, but I want a job that's going to make me happy. Perfectly content. Yeah, you will see advice out there often that's, you know, if you go to work and it's like work, you know, well you're in the wrong career. I challenge you to find how many people don't go to work to be able to provide for their families their main reason. Yeah. You know, if if it, if you really, really enjoy what you're doing and you would do it without pay, that is great. That is not the reality for most Americans, especially. Yeah. Okay, well, now we're getting some questions uh, and comments coming in. Aaron Moore says this. I think there are two ways that we build Eden in our lives. First, we build an outer exterior that looks like Eden to others. That's really good to start with, even though we have muck and mire internally. Second, we work to financially give us an Eden without focusing on the internal uh, of the heart. Yes. How many of us want to to look like we have Eden in our lives, that we've got it all going on. We're the, we're the perfect Instagram family, Instagram family. Absolutely. Have you noticed nobody posts pictures on the Instagram and stuff during this, when they're all stuck at home with their kids, yeah. you know, before <laughs> here, we, here we are, here's us and the kids at the park. Here we are at the little league field. Here we, here we are doing this other fantastic family fun activity. We do not see the tears of you doing homework in your house. <laughs> That's not happening. So so if there's nothing else good comes out of this, maybe we will realize that a lot of the families that we saw were doing, like Aaron said, they were posting a false view of the Eden in their lives, that it's really not like that. You know, that's interesting uh, because I, I noticed something else this week that I thought was really refreshing, but maybe it's more what you're talking about. And that is, so I have actually spent less time on Facebook than I normally do, which yeah. I have been surprised by. 
Uh, and it has, and it's been really good. I'll just tell you that. Yeah. I mean, I love connecting with people, but sometimes it's, it's heavy. Facebook yeah. is heavy. Facebook is but heavy. I've noticed people are asking questions like post this about yourself. Yes. Rather than posting about themselves. In other words, tell me about you, which I thought that is yeah. really refreshing, but it could be, I just don't want you to know what's going on over here right now. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be, you know, this morning's question could be, who do you love more, inspiring me or boring Mark? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know we could post that one out. You've seen that one. What do you, which would you choose between this and yeah, that? Yeah, and, yeah, you know, And people are, now, of course, people are mining all that information and putting it in a database to try and crack your passwords, but hey, <laughs> you know, don't worry about that, folks. It's all in good fun, right? That's spoken like a true IT That's person. That's true. The IT guy comes out, but you know, it's, it is right. We are seeing a change in, in the pattern of society to some extent, uh, especially on Facebook. Yeah. See, Leslie has a comment here. She says, when I think of Eden, I think of the creation itself, a place where God would hang out to hear the sounds and see the beauty of the works of his hands. So I plant, I'll, I fight the weeds, I want blooms for bees and birds, and wind chimes to add to what I hear. This is my heaven from my haven from the noise of the world. That's a good point, too. Yeah, yeah. Gwen says, uh, we want things to be perfect and our way. We don't like to be told not um, not to do. We want to do things our way, often ignoring God's direction and following temptation. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, yeah, very much. Deidre says, I think we create an ideal in our minds of a life experience that we think will make our lives happy, feel complete, and without pain. We work to build that and then get mad at God when it doesn't work out the way we imagine. Boy, that's right on target. We we have this ideal that if we do all these steps, if we take these steps, we make these things happen in our family and our life, we're going to be just super happy. And it doesn't work that way. <clears throat> yeah. And Nimrod, we, so you brought up a good point last week or the week before, that Nimrod... He he did exist after the Tower of Babel. Yeah. The the work was stopped and the people were dispersed. He did exist. What went on in his mind? I did everything right. This yeah. was all exactly the way I wanted. And now it, it's it's not what I hoped it was going to be. And um, I wonder, did he just go happily on down the road on his way to hell? Yeah. I mean, did he just keep going with what he's doing? It's like, well, you know, I've got a smaller section of these people, but I can still be their tyrant, and I'll just build my stuff. And he did. He built things. Yeah. So, you know, you wonder if he just was oblivious to God from that point on. Right, 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 right. That's true. That's true. Um, the Eden, I think that those who were waving, waving palm branches were trying to get was a, a, a nation without Rome. And it was a return to the favor of God, whatever that looked like, even though they hadn't technically heard from God in about 400 years they wanted to return to life before Rome, and they were about, at this point, 75 years into being occupied by right. Roman control. So as they're waving in this king of Israel, they are themselves hoping to recreate whatever level of Eden is possible in their world, which may explain why on Sunday everyone's cheering for him and on Friday everyone's calling for yeah. his crucifixion. It's a it's it's a troubling reality about where we are um, as people, how quickly we turn when what we want our Eden to be, it doesn't turn out that way. Donna Gibson, although I can't exp there I can't expand my comments. You may have to read these. Okay, Donna Gibson says yes. We want a life free from any trials or inconvenience. When those come along, we want to cry out, "Not fair!" And that's what we're hearing from many people now that this is just not fair. 
Yeah. Very good point. Here we go. Now they're working. Daniel Daniel asks, uh, didn't Adam and Eve work in the garden to take care of it, or was it all just perfect without them working? Ah, good question. Very good question. Perhaps us working is part of the perfect plan God has for us, and we're gonna we're gonna come to that in just a minute. And, and Donna's question about suffering and not fair, we'll also get to in yeah. this next section. That's a great point to come back to. So they did work. However, it was not as laborious as it was after the fall because part of the curse was now you'll work the ground and and it will not provide you with its fruits without hard work and the sweat of your brow and you're going to work the same ground but now um, weeds and thistles are going to grow up in it and you're going to eat from the work of your labor but it's going to be hard work which kind of gives the picture of um, but pre-fall Maybe there was all potting soil and everything yeah, just maybe grew perfectly. You didn't have to pull and, the weeds out of the garden. That's you just right. Enjoy, like Leslie was talking about the enjoyment. Uh, my wife Karen says, to some people, living like you were in a Hallmark movie is their idea of eating. Yes. That is very much my idea of hell. But, you know, there, some people <laughs> people have very different opinions of this. Karen loves the Hallmark movies, the Christmas movies, you know, with all the same plot. Obviously, I'm not the fireman with the puppy that comes in to save the day, so I don't know why she ever picked me. But, yeah. you know... Very different ideas. And we do seriously, though, have different ideas of what heaven is like. Yeah. We all, and what Eden would be for, Eden for somebody may be very much not Eden for somebody else, which shows that we don't have the right perspective because God has the same perspective for everybody. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, that is so good. The the reality is, and we see it throughout Scripture, we see it in our own lives, if we're honest about it, all our attempts to rebuild Eden within our lives will fail. And no matter how hard we try, even when we look at people, then we feel like they have it all together. And who are those people? Usually they're wealthy. For some Mm -hmm. reason, they have every luxury. They take vacations. They have magnificent homes. They have pools, you know, in their basement. And they have hot tubs in every bathroom. And they dress well and... You know, we we often picture if someone has attained the perfect life, that's what it looks like. Yeah. But that's that's that would be Jesus riding in on a triumphant stallion or in a chariot. Yes. Yeah, that's but right. But instead, we have a picture of Jesus on a donkey. Yeah. And, and you know, I was thinking about about that and, and the people that we admire and follow, and I'm seeing an interesting dichotomy in in who we see in the news right now. We are seeing people think the the nurses and first responders and people like yes. that. It's a real tragedy, you know, if, if one of them comes comes down with with COVID nineteen. But still, interspersed in there, still to feed our gotta follow somebody. Which celebrity got COVID nineteen this week, and we need to post a story about it. Yes. Even in this type of trial and situation, we are still the same people we've always been. That there's somebody out there that we admire and follow, and oh my, they have COVID nineteen. They may even be asymptomatic but oh my goodness did you see which celebrity has COVID-19 I think Tom Hanks may have been the the first one that came out that we saw so that's now creeping into the news as the celebrity of the day that that may have gotten that so you know we we still have that even in a time of tragedy where we're doing good things and recognizing those people that are actually putting their lives on the line to help us out of this situation we still have that infatuation of what perfection looks like yes absolutely and it, it a good reminder is exactly what happened after the fall. This is what it says, Genesis three seventeen through 19. Adam, to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife 
And guys, we the, it goes on. You can't stop. I wish there. we could just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, uh, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Very encouraging passage for us this morning. Right? Yes, yes. But but the, the reality is there there was a change. This outpost of heaven is no longer open to us. Yeah. All of our attempts to regain access to it are going to fail. At least leading up to this week in the history of the world, that there is no way to re-enter or regain Eden. And and what? And just can a minute, you can you imagine yeah. the regret that Adam and Eve had going from Adam walking in the cool of the day with God and fellowshipping with Him to that's not happening now. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the regret he would see in wanting to recreate that somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the reality is, and we experience it now, and and maybe many of us are trying to kind of figure out how do we preserve the best life we can right now, uh, and yet still in the midst of it, we can't help but feel some level of suffering within our lives or see it in the lives of others. Maybe someone that we know who is who is suffering with coronavirus, or maybe they're suffering because they've been laid off and they're struggling financially. Um, we can't help but see hardship in the world, and yet our responses often, uh, we try to avoid it. We try to avoid any hardship or suffering, but what if that is impossible? What if every attempt we have to avoid suffering, um, and, and I would say, and I would be careful to backtrack here, that there are some ways to avoid suffering. Right. Don't be stupid would yeah. be one of them. That I mean, seriously, there, there are things. And back in this verse, I, I can actually imagine, you know, God saying in Genesis, because you have not listened to the voice of your wife, you're going to suffer. There yeah. are things that people give us good, sound, biblical advice that we ignore and we bring the suffering on ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I, I do think it's it's true. We We can overcome the suffering we invite into our own lives. Mm-hmm. For example, behaviors that are unhealthy that we continue in, that yeah. we invite suffering as a result of those behaviors that we can. We can do away with those behaviors, or we can get help to do away with those right. behaviors, and we can avoid some of that suffering or, or choices. Maybe we habitually make a selfish choice, and it breaks our relationships with others. It yeah. introduces suffering yeah, we, into we our make, lives. We make self-destructive choices often that bring that suffering on us. Yeah, so absolutely, those are there are some areas of suffering that we can mitigate um, or, or we can prepare ourselves for. Another, you know, one of them is staying home right now so you don't get coronavirus, especially if you are someone's in a high-risk group. There's going to be suffering that's going to happen if you get the coronavirus, and you can mitigate that by distancing yourself, washing your hands, things like that. But there, it is impossible to erase all suffering from our lives. So we can either be miserable about that, yeah, or we can somewhat transcend it. And and it just reminds me that even Jesus himself suffered in his life. Right. 
Even Jesus himself did not live life the perfect God-man. He did not live without suffering. In fact, Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. That's talking about Jesus. So, so no matter how I try and live a perfect, sinless life and be in a relationship with God, that does not guarantee I won't suffer. It, it, I would sometimes say not only does it not guarantee you it won't increases suffer. increases the chances. It sometimes will guarantee you will suffer. Mm-hmm. But, the, but that's not how we think. Yeah, but that, that's not how we think. Those are when, when Jesus talks about pick up your cross and follow me, that's what he's essentially saying. Pick up some suffering and come after me. Now, I want to be very careful. There have been sects of Christianity that have gone down this path, and they have they they basically get on the path of saying the more I can hurt, the more yes. honored God is. There is nothing in Scripture no. that says that is true. And, and, and we we will see from Jesus. Even Jesus tried to avoid part of the things that he knew was coming and asked, yes. "Was there another way?" That's right. That's right. So, especially Good Friday. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that Good Friday. Is the reality that Jesus said, "Listen, if there's another way." Yeah. You know, sweating drops of blood, which uh, doctors tell us that that is a response to significant stress and physical load that you're under that to cause the capillaries in your skin to burst and then blood to flow out of your pores. Jesus, yeah, if there's yeah. another way, let me yeah. out of this. And well, let's yet just go ahead and wasn't. read the passage here. That's the next passage of Scripture. And he came out and went, and as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Yeah, yeah. Jesus himself uh, demonstrates how we deal with suffering. Paul says this, The promise of the cross is not one of avoiding suffering. It is that we will have someone to sit with us in our suffering, which I think that is so beautiful and true. And the reality of what do we really want Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it t- takes us back to the Martha Mary story. Is Martha looking at what needs to be done to make everything come out exactly the way she hopes it will? Or are we Mary and that we're sitting at her, his feet saying, you are the treasure. You are the gift. I get to, to sit and be with you, even though that may mean that we are experiencing some level of suffering at all. Leslie says, Jesus' suffering should be a hubris check for us, like who we are to think it shouldn't fall on us. Like, who are we to think it shouldn't fall on us? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, she goes on to say, what suffering? but what suffering did he want to avoid, the torture or the time when he would be separated from God at his death on the cross? Yeah. Oh, well, gosh, that's a good question, Leslie. Um, I, I, would, I would say, you know, both. Uh, yeah, I think I, I would say because he was, was human. He was fully human. I would say both, and every temptation you know, Scripture tells us every temptation we can face, Jesus faced. Um, so, but the difference is the way Jesus responded to it. Yes, 
And, then, and, I, and I think it's interesting here, even with an angel at his side to strengthen him, he was still in agony. Yes. There was no way to get around it. Even even an angel came and stood beside him to strengthen him, and he was still suffering. Yes, yes, yes. It is, it is a part of the fall that we all have to, to bear. And whether or not we attempt to build our own Eden or whether we just recognize that ability, the even possibility of, of having our own Eden is gone. Yeah. It is gone. Now, we can better ourselves. We can better our lives. You know, we can um, increase our ability to buy homes and cars and things like that. Uh, scripture would say, well, if if you increase your earning potential, what, what that actually does in the kingdom is increase your generosity potential, yes. not your potential to spend on yourself. Whereas, again, Jesus coming in on a donkey, not coming in in this magnificent parade of, uh, of livestock. Uh, yeah, we actually had a great example of it this week in a, in a conference call I had with some of the guys from Kingdom Partners. Is there, was a, there was a smaller church here in town. There may have been two. I can't remember where larger churches came and gave support to them because they had more and were able to be generous. So rather than, than keeping that money and say, well, we don't know when we'll get back to normal operation where they said, no, here, you guys are suffering. I need to give this to you. And I thought that was a great picture yes, of the kingdom this week. It, it absolutely is. Um, it also, this suffering, and I, and I love what Paul said, this suffering um, does not mean that it ends in our misery. I want to be very clear. Jesus suffered, but he was not miserable. That's right. Jesus was in agony at times in his life, but Jesus exhibited pure joy. So we have to, at some level, tell ourselves, I am not going to live a life without hardship. Right. Therefore, I need to shift my thinking from how do I insulate myself from all possible hardship Two, how do I deal with hardship the way that Jesus dealt with hardship? How do I exhibit joy even when I'm suffering, even when things aren't working out the way I hope they would, even when I'm sorrowful, someone I love has, has passed away or a broken relationship or, you know, I lose a job that I absolutely loved. You know, how do we approach that kind of, of suffering? But Suffering is not just things don't go the way we want right. them to. Sometimes there's a greater purpose for suffering, and which Jesus, what Jesus really wants to do is to show us how we can more completely know him and love him. And part of that is that picking up our cross and following him. Um, he also shows us why Jesus is a necessary savior. Nimrod couldn't do it. Yep. Moses couldn't do it. Samson couldn't do it. You know, any of the, the other messiahs yeah. couldn't do it. Only Jesus is the one who can rescue us from all of the hardship that is placed on us in the world as a result of mm. sin. And I sometimes people struggle with, well, how, how do we answer the question, why would a good God let bad things happen? I think the question oftentimes when we understand it in the context of the fall moving forward is not that good God allows bad things to happen to good people, is that God allows us to bear the consequences of our own sin. Yeah. And that affects the entire world. 
And so some of the things that we have to go through and endure is not that God um, says, you know what, I don't care. I'm glad you're hurting. You deserve it. But instead is God saying, I have withdrawn myself to allow you to fully experience the result of sin in the world and to recognize this is why Jesus had to come. We talked about this Thursday night in our men's group as we're going through mm-hmm. um, Romans, that you know that God that God withdrawing from us and leaving us to our own sin is God saying, okay, I'm going to let you get the full consequence of choosing your own way over choosing my way, and that is what a lot of our suffering is. Okay. It is the tilling the ground. The wiping the sweat from our face. Yeah. I mean, there's a passage that talks about being given over so that Satan can sift us. Yes. Yeah, can, can manipulate and use us and let us be victim of our own desires sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I want to make sure I'm not missing anything here. Yeah. Uh, but Jesus is our necessary Savior. That's why we're going to take communion together in just a few minutes. Um, that's why we celebrate Holy Week. It's considered the most important week of the year for Christians. That's why uh, Easter Sunday is our most holy day, uh, which is where we get the name or the word holiday. It's our most holy day because it is the day when everything that happened from the fall to Jesus, that whole span of God working with us, he brings us to a place where we can finally be restored to him. And this is troubling for all of the Jews waving their palm branches on Palm Sunday because that's not what they're looking for. No. They're, they're looking for a political king savior that's going to return them to a more comfortable lifestyle is yeah. what they're looking for. It's not what they're getting. Yeah. That, what, what gives us, what makes us happier people living the lives that we're living right now? Yeah. Not how are we finally and fully restored in our relationship to God. Um, and, and we often here have, have talked about a kingdom that is above the kingdoms of the earth. Well, if only the Jews had had that picture at this time, they would have realized that, that Jesus was coming as part of a much bigger picture, a, a kingdom that's above any kingdom we could ever imagine. And they no longer needed a king here on right, earth. That, right. that, that there was something so much better than that, but they just didn't have that vision of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would encourage you if you are suffering in whatever way, and we all are. So we we began practicing Lent mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Lent is the willful pulling back of something we enjoy, the sacrificing of something we enjoy, so that we can spend that time. Every time we feel the the urge to enjoy that thing, we remind ourselves we're pulling back, and that puts our minds on Christ instead. We celebrate that through Thursday. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I've seen the joke often here lately, I had no idea I was giving up so many yes. things for Lent. That doesn't count, folks. That's yes. not voluntary, so you don't get a you don't get an extra reward for that. Yeah, so so yeah, you don't get to give up toilet paper. Toilet. Yeah. I guess you could give up toilet paper for Lent. I wouldn't encourage I would it. not encourage that, no. No, that's not a good one. <laughs> um, but give up some of your freedoms um, to get out and about and to do things and things like, and just your normal day life. And some... some are, are sacrificing greatly through loss. And I think maybe the question for us is, seeing how that feels, would we do it voluntarily for God or not? Yeah, right, right. 
with, with which is the idea behind fasting, by yes. the way, all fasting, not just at Lent, but as a spiritual practice throughout the year, choosing to fast in order to focus on Christ. But I would encourage you, even outside of the terms of Lent, if you're suffering, that we we will see what Jesus did in the garden. He fully lived into the, to that agony. He didn't ignore it. He didn't no. pretend it wasn't there. He fully lived into that agony, but he did not live in it alone. He went to Christ, or he went to Christ didn't go to Christ. That would be a little odd. But Christ went to God in prayer, and he was constantly praying, constantly praying. And yet he was also constantly obedient. Yeah. So I would encourage that if you're going through your own level of suffering, don't ignore it. Don't try to pretend it's not there. Fully live in that suffering. Mourn that suffering, but don't stay there. We always have an advocate with the Father through Christ and that he is there with us to, to comfort us. But sometimes our suffering has a point. Yeah. And, and it's not just to hurt, it's to move us in a direction. Um, sometimes our suffering uh, draws us to repentance. Uh, and there, our, our own, the consequences of our sin take us to a place of suffering where we w- must repent from that sin because we recognize how unhealthy it is. Sometimes it's to remind us that we are on a path of righteousness. And uh, I love that there seems to, at some level, be a, a return to some humanity among our media and just people in general where we're not at each other's throats. Or we may be learning something through the suffering we're going through. Let's hope so. And especially in the realm of faith where people are talking more openly about their faith, whereas not too long ago to talk about your faith would get you ostracized. Yeah, I I haven't seen too many people saying, well, we don't need to pray for our country or anything like that. I'm not seeing that. I, I do see a return uh, to our roots somewhat of, you know, hey, it's okay to pray. It's okay for churches to be up in partnership with the government in certain areas if they're helping to relieve suffering in a community. And we are seeing some doors open there that we haven't seen before. Yeah, yeah. Aaron says it doesn't count as Lent, but it does count as suffering. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that is a, a good point. Um, I, I just want to encourage you that the, suffering can take lots of places, but I want to... I, it is not suffering is not personal in that we all experience it, even Jesus. And how we respond to it is crucially important because if we respond simply with how to escape it, we have a tendency to get stuck. But if we respond to transcend it, in other words, to understand it, to see what it's telling us about ourselves yeah. or maybe what God's yeah. trying to trying say to understand to us, how we're going to walk through it. And then that's also where the community is, is so important, where you're not supposed to go through it alone. Not only do you do it with Christ, but Jesus, if you remember, brought the disciples with him to pray and, and told them, now, y'all stay Don't awake. fall asleep. <laughs> y'all stay awake, which yeah. they didn't. They didn't fully understand. But we need each other, and we can encourage and support each other through times of suffering. Um, I, I, I do want to remind us that... When we think about heaven, we've been talking a lot about Eden. Heaven is not the same as Eden. So the promise of what we have coming is not a return to Eden. It is actually something completely different. You mean we're not just going to sit around and hang out in paradise in a garden and eat grapes and kick back with the cool breeze and chat with God? Well, we may. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But we, but 
uh, we have a couple of places in Scripture that say specifically that heaven is different from Eden. Second Peter 3.13, According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In Revelation 21, 1 and 2, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So uh, the, the search for Eden is a fruitless search, except the search for God. The search for God always benefits us. The search for Eden is a fruitless search. We'll never find it. We'll never recreate it. God's not even going to return us there. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth, and a new Jerusalem coming out of, of heaven that we will all be a part of. You know, and I think the key is back in Second Peter 3 where it says a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's the newness yes. of it. It's not that it's a paradise or something created in the in the image of Eden. It's where righteousness is. And, and just a, something I can't imagine. That's almost harder to imagine than heaven itself is a place where everything is bathed in righteousness. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of wrap up with a couple of things. But Philippians 3, 8 through 11 talks about one of the ways we transcend suffering. It says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. What a picture. Yeah. Like the things that caused me suffering because I've lost them, I mean, they were worthless. They didn't, they were meaningless. It's like going, I mean, he's really saying tomorrow's our garbage day in, in our neighborhood. So it's like me going out and mourning over the guy emptying my trash can in the morning. Yeah. But it's so awful that he just emptied my trash. Yeah. And, yeah, th- and that's yeah. what he's trying to say here is that's how worthless that is to you. Yeah. It's just absolutely rubbish. In order that, in other words, that suffering and that loss of those things have a purpose um, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In other words, all this suffering that we experience here pales in comparison with knowing Christ, walking with Christ, and knowing that we will be resurrected with Christ. We have eternal life with him. That is not just a colloquialism. That is not just a a trite saying for Christians to say, yes, but I have Jesus. Right. Right. But there's a reality that when you walk with Jesus, it is so beautiful and and worthwhile that, you know what, even in spite of all the things I'm giving up, even if I lose my own life, I have Christ and I have him forever. And do we see Jesus as that beautiful picture? We know through, uh, through the triumphal entry that they saw a flash, but what they saw in him was not who he really was. Yeah. They saw a general. They saw a king. They saw a great military mind. But just just like we was. do, they projected Jesus in their image, not reversed. 
We're yeah. supposed to be trying to be like Jesus. They were trying to make Jesus like them as a physical ruler, as a, as a Messiah that was coming to save them from their circumstances there. So they were trying to create almost Jesus in their own image. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're going to, we're going to take communion together, but I want to tell you about something we're going to do on Friday because Palm Sunday and Good Friday are linked because Palm Sunday sets many of the activities in motion that lead to Good Friday. Good Friday um, is the day that we remember that Jesus was tortured and that Jesus was killed. And we last year we did a Stations of the Cross experience where you could come into the church and we had different stations around the building that you could go and they were very reflective and, and could think about all the events and all the sounds and smells that would have happened um, on Good Friday. Well, we're, we're clearly not going to do that this year. Um, but we do want to, to remember that day in a special way. And so Christians since... Um, since medieval times, have celebrated a service called Tenebrae. Now, Tenebrae literally means darkness, and it is often called a service of shadows. Um, and it is essentially a reading through the account of Good Friday with a series of candles. And with each reading, um, you blow out a candle until we will, at the end of that um, reading, we will blow out the final candle, which is the Christ candle. And it's not too, uh, for us to feel terrible and to be anxiety-filling, but it's to remind us how dark things were when Jesus was killed. But for us, who know what happened three days later, it reminds us of how important Christ's sacrifice was that we can then celebrate on Easter Sunday. Now, we're not going to do a live service. We're going to record this, and then we will put it out on Friday for you to watch with your family. But the point is, is there is an encroaching darkness as we come to Good Friday. And then we will end that service in darkness. And then on Sunday is when we come with great celebration, um, where we celebrate the risen Savior. So that's what we're going to do next week. I want to remind you, that we would like for you to shoot a quick video. If they're if they're super long, we won't be able to show them during our live stream. But a a quick you know minute, few you know, maybe up to a couple of minutes, that we can then string these together and we can watch um, each of you on our live stream together how you're celebrating Easter, what it means to you, whatever you would like to share about that. And so we are. Um, encouraging you to spend some time. And I know some of you are still working. Some of you are still having to drive to work. And if that's the case, um, just do it today when you have some time or, or do it one evening. But have those to us by Thursday so we can make sure we have them all together and we have them all organized and ready to go. Um, so we're looking forward to that. And as we... Um, as we kind of close this section out, um, John uh, 12, verse 16, just simply says that, that even as we struggle to understand these things, the disciples really struggle to understand these things. It says in verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. 
The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So they didn't even recognize fully what all of this meant um, and what all this week would entail. We recognize that and we want to remember that. Jesus would celebrate with his Passover. So if you have your communion supplies together, uh, just get them together with your family and we'll do this together. If you have some of our single serve cups, uh, be careful. There are two um, little flaps on the edge that you can open. The first one, you can peel it back and there's a small white wafer. And then you can peel the second layer back I'm going to try not to spill it. And that will open up the cup for the juice. Now, remember, the Passover, they did this same thing, but it was to celebrate the deliverance of Hebrews out of Egypt. We celebrate communion, and we celebrate it today because we recognize that we're coming into an important week where Jesus was going to give his life for us. He was a perfect sacrifice, the unblemished lamb. He was the one who would finally take away the sins of the world for those that would believe in him and trust in him. And so as we take this, and Jesus had Passover with his disciples, and uh, he took bread and he broke it, and we're going to use this wafer here. Um, you, If you have bread there, you can break it or tear it or, or pass it out to your family members. We take this bread, and he said... This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat it and do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread. If you have your juice or whatever you're going to be celebrating communion with us today, if you have that, Jesus likewise in foreshadowing what was going to be happening, he took the cup, and instead of it representing the blood of the lamb that was spread over the doorposts, it would instead represent his blood that was shed for all the world. And he said to take it, and he said to drink this in remembrance of him. And what I love about this is that Christians all over the world are doing this today. And then we'll Absolutely. join again next week. We're going to do this again on Easter Sunday. Christians all over the world will be doing this at the same time with us. And so I am just really excited um, about that. So I want to encourage you to join us on Friday. We will give you... Um, so a schedule when that will roll yeah. out on Friday if you want to do that for the Tenebrae service. And um, I hope you'll take an opportunity to do that and spend that time with your family. Um, spend some time remembering what that is. Shoot that video and um, and send that in to us as well. Yeah. Well, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and worship you, God. It's not the way we would choose to worship this morning, God, but we're thankful for the ability to connect as we are, Lord, whether it be through our phones or computers or 
or those many things that you have provided for us because it all belongs to you, God, and we're, we hopefully are using it for, for your service and your glory this morning, Lord, that we can interact as a church family and as a Christian family, God, that uh, we can encourage each other in this difficult time. God, we just pray for the um, the people on the front lines, whether it be first responders or nurses or doctors or even those working retail that have to go to work every day, God, and the anxiety that's causing for so many people, God, that we we just know that you're our God and your hand is on us, Lord, and we just pray for health and safety for all those that are exposed there, Lord. We pray for a, a quick end to this, God, and that we will learn what you have for us in this situation, that it will it will come and pass and mainly that you'll be glorified from it, God, as we remember the sacrifice you made for us this morning, Lord, as we, we took the bread that represents your broken body and the and the suffering and agony that you went through to pay for our sins, Lord, and the and the blood that was spilled, Lord, that that those are all on us, God. It was because of our sins that you had to do that, Lord. And we're just thankful that you you paid the price, Lord. And that's the gospel, as it's called, that, that you came and you, you paid the price in our place, Lord, for the sins that we've committed. And that on the third day you rose, God, and we look so forward this next Sunday, Lord. This was a dark week in history that, that, that people didn't understand what you were doing, God. And we have the, the benefit of hindsight, God, to see what you went through, but where you were going, God, and we... Look so forward to next Sunday, Lord, and, and celebrating you as our risen Savior, God. And we just uh, we we can't thank you enough for that, God, and 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 the excitement, God, that's going to build throughout this week as we get nearer to that day, God. Just pray that you'll be in our hearts and on our minds as we we go about our business, God. That we can share this fantastic story of redemption that you're providing for us, God. And we just pray these things in your name, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next week. Um, we do still have small groups meeting by Zoom during the week. If you'd like to jump on, just follow the Facebook page or jump on to, the, to our Facebook group. That's, a lot of great conversations are happening there. And uh, we just love you guys. We miss you. We are, we are going to have a huge party yeah, absolutely. when this yes. is all over and we get to be together in the room together. And uh, so... If you need something, please communicate with us, and uh, we will see you soon. Yeah. One one quick uh, point here I'm getting on, on Facebook Live is some people are having some trouble with the online giving. We'll look at that because it is important, guys. We appreciate you mm -hmm. guys have been faithful, and we appreciate you still giving, uh, online giving or mailing a check or whatever ever means is necessary there. Uh, and we'll leave it on a happy note. Uh, Rick says that he was having trouble getting the amount put in on the online giving, and Herman replied, well, Scott and Mark will fill that in for you. Yeah, just leave <laughs> we'll, that be glad, we'll be glad to be a blessing to you guys. So, guys, again, thank you so much for being here. We love you all, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, all right. Have a great week.